Hey everybody, welcome to a new episode of Soul Deep In. My name is Elizabeth Anna and I'm your host. If you've been here for a while, thank you. And if you're new, welcome. I am no longer going to say next week's episode or I'm going to release an episode or I'm starting a new series. You're just going to have to be as surprised as I am by the consistency or lack of for the podcast. I think that uh, life has been a little bit uh, intense lately. And while I wish, right, that I had not allowed life to interfere with the things that I enjoy doing because I love this. I need this. I um, the reason I am here right now, it's because there's this deep desire in me to, I guess, unload, right? What's in my soul, what's in my heart. And a lot of times, well, I think some people know how to hold space for that. And there are people who understand. I don't have a lot of that in my life right now. And so it feels really, really frustrating. And then here I just feel like, I'm just able to release with no expectation. If it's received, it's received. If it's understood, it's understood. It doesn't matter. There are people who could be like, this girl's crazy and just hit next. Like she talks too much. Yeah, these are all things I've heard most of my life. It's really hard to find somebody that understands me deeply. And there are a few in my life, but everybody's going, everybody has stuff. Everybody's going through something and the things that I have been experiencing lately have been really, really, um, I don't want to say weird, but um, foreign to many um, because it's personal. It's unique. It's like, for instance, like I, I think I'm understanding, fully understanding what it means to hold space for somebody. And how I thought I knew what that was and how difficult it is to do. Because I just, my niece just lost her daughter, which is my great niece, right? She's 23 years old. And I've never, I don't know what she's going through. I can sit here and imagine the pain, but there's no way for me to feel anything of what she's experiencing. And so... But we say, I'm here for you. And then what do we want to do? We want to make her feel better. We want to tell her something that's going to give her hope. That's going to remind her that of all the things that we tell others that we want them to believe when somebody's passed on. But the thing is that those are just words. They're words. And so holding space for someone just means sitting with their pain, not running to fix it not trying to console them, just sitting with it. And that is so hard. <laughs> and sometimes I want somebody to understand what I am going through. And I want somebody to talk about it with. And I want somebody that feels what I've been feeling. But I'm like, that's impossible. This is so unique to me. And I know that there is a whole purpose in what I am experiencing currently. And the realization that, no, nobody's going to understand you. 
They may have gone through something similar. They may have, you know, experienced something similar. But fully, fully, no, because you're you. And just like losing a child, losing a child is different for everybody. The pain, I'm sure it's, it's hard and it's extremely painful, but it's different for different reasons. The relationship with that child, um, you know, the things that you're replaying in your head, all the ways that you think maybe you could have done something different. Even when you know, like for sure, my niece, she, I, I don't, I, I know in my heart, I don't believe she could have done absolutely anything else. She was, she self-sacrificed so much of her life to help her daughter. And, but that doesn't matter because we will replay things and we will tell ourselves things and you don't want people to suffer. You don't want somebody to be in pain. But the thing is that you can't take that pain away because if they don't feel it, they're just saving it for later. And what I am experiencing right now is a death of sort. I really feel that Aaliyah, Aaliyah's passing, um, it, it shook something in me. It it stirred a lot. It, it cracked my heart open. Like uh, I'm seeing her passing as a, an opportunity for a lot of us to change our hearts, to open our hearts. And it, I feel like there's just things that has, it has um, brought up that maybe I had just, you know, just ignored or suppressed. And this experience that I'm having right now it's hard for me to explain. It's hard for me to put into words. But the one thing that I do know is that it feels lonely. It feels extremely lonely. And so showing up to speak here helps me feel less lonely because I don't know. I don't know who's going to listen. I don't know if somebody will understand, if somebody will, um, if it'll resonate. And so I think at some point or another, we've all felt loneliness with our pain, with, you know, transformations, with changes in our lives. I know that I'm, I don't want to use the word awakening, right? I don't want to use it because I, it sounds so cliche, right? But there's parts of me that are, that were dormant and have woken up and I'm feeling things deeper than I have before. And there's parts of me that feels wants and desires that are just not aligned <laughs> with you know my unit and so it's pretty tough because I am the kind of person that tends to be extremely stubborn and when I'm told I am not able to do something everything in me wants to resist and be like oh no you didn't I'm gonna do it I'm gonna do it tell me I can't and within that is that level of consciousness that once you've, once you're there, like once you've expanded and grown and learned and, and, and integrated and you're embodied into just knowing better, right? It doesn't matter. It's like there's something in me that's like, no, no, you're going to, you're going to surrender to what is put before you and you're going to trust that there is a reason that what you want and what you think you need and what you've convinced yourself is necessary 
You're just going to have to sit with the disappointment of saying no and finding another avenue. And so here I am. I'm not, I don't know if this is the avenue. I don't know if this is going to satisfy that, that thing that woke up in me that said, this is what I want. I don't know. I hope it does. But if it doesn't, tomorrow I'll try something else and I'll keep going until I try something else because the alternative means reverting to old behavior, reverting to old, to functioning from wounds. And if you know better, right, you do better. And although I love that quote, right, I know now that it's not, or I believe, right, I believe that it's not what you know. It's what you believe. And I believe that I definitely know better. I don't just know better. I believe it in my soul that reverting would be making a conscious choice to do something that is not in my favor. It's not in my soul's purpose. It's not in my, it's not in my story. And so you can't ask for something, right? You can't ask or expect things from others that you're not willing to hold yourself to. And that's tough. That's tough because for me, for the most part, I feel like a lot of times the things I'm able to give are not anywhere near the things that like, sorry, I take that back because I don't want to say the things I give, I'm not able to get back because sometimes I get back different things that I'm not able to give. And that's where like, that's what I mean by growth. We grow to the point where we're able to understand the whole picture. And I see things sometimes and I get stuck on things or I feel things and I'm just like, I'm not moving. This is what I want. I'm not moving. Um, and then I think because I am honest and because I'm asking that that should give me permission. But no, no, um, no, it doesn't work that way. And I can be a little brat. I can totally acknowledge my brattiness in not having my way. But at the same time, that part of me that's like, but wait, you're not, you're not doing this for me, right? I can, I can tell myself a story. I can make myself feel validated. I can totally convince myself, but that would all be surface level because at my soul, I know that's not true. So a lot of times we convince ourselves of things. And I think that the less awareness you have, the easier it is to lie to yourself, the easier it is to tell yourself things that makes you feel better about the decisions you're making that you know go against who you are, your values, what you want to do, and, and the, the things that you're building on. So if, if I've reached a point in my life where I've been able to prove to myself time and time again, okay, yeah, you can do this. You can do this. You don't, you're not who you used to be. Why am I still looking for more proof? <sighs> and so somebody recently told me that it was because I was looking for that validation. But I don't know. I've sat with that, right? I've sat with that. Like for, like there's certain things in my life that I feel like until I don't actually see it through and make a choice that's different to the choices that I've made in the past. And it doesn't mean I've changed. I could say I changed, but until you, I feel like until you don't, until you're not put into the fire and are tested, then what? Yeah. You're as good as your tests. Like you're, you're, 
it's easy to say I've changed if I haven't been tested. Like, how do you know? Like, it's like, oh, yeah, I'm good at math. I can add. And then you give me a test and I'll be like, oh, my God, so that, nothing changed. So I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. And maybe it's just my stubbornness, right? Because I can, again, create a story of trying to make things more difficult for me. But here I am somewhat proving it, right? I don't need to go all the way into the fire, right? Because I'm avoiding the fire. And in some ways, by avoiding the fire, it shows me that I've made a different choice. But I'm only avoiding the fire because I'm I'm not letting, I'm not, <laughs> I know I'm so vague, but I'm not being allowed to go into the fire. And so it just feels as if um, my choices are not mine, but by not defying the choices that are being made for me, I'm sort of proving it already. <sighs> and it sucks. <laughs> it sucks. All of it sucks, right? We all want to have everything sometimes. And I guess that the more I learn, the more I grow, the more I'm like, wait, why, why can't I do this? Because at one point I convinced myself I couldn't do it, that it was wrong to do it because of the actions that I took while I was doing it. And so now that I'm different, I feel like I can totally handle this. But maybe somebody else can't. And so maybe that's why I am not, you know, in the position to be able to make that choice alone and my choice has been made for me so I'm sorry <laughs> I am apologizing because if I've lost you then um, you probably already checked out and if I haven't lost you and you could follow along you my people you my people because that means that you can apply that to anything and maybe you understand where I'm coming from <sighs> but no matter what, I think that we're here to learn. We're here to grow. Um, we're here to to die to the, the parts of us that want things that may hurt us. And it's tough. Because sometimes that's the that's the story we've told ourselves is needed in order to prove. Um that we are who we say we are. Maybe we don't need tests. Maybe a test isn't necessary. But I guess I'll update you as life goes on and see where I'm at. I, I just, I know. I know I'm different. I know I've grown. And I am proud of myself because I, I never imagined being in this scenario and being able to be as honest as I have been. Um, but anyway, so back to, okay, this whole thing was just kind of to, to speak of the connection we have with ourselves and, you know, how it is that we are uh, cultivating that relationship. What are we doing to honor it, to respect it, to feed it, to nourish it, to grow it. Because a lot of times we just get accustomed to how we, you know, the things we believe, not realizing that things we believe are things that we've been programmed with. Like, when was the last time you asked yourself, is this 
do I really, really believe this? Or is this something that's been put in my head? And now I am deciding that it's the truth because, well, I feel like it's the truth, right? I, I know that I had a lot of that. A lot of it. I still do. Like it's impossible sometimes to remove all the programming because until you're not actually in a position to question that, question your programming, um, and there's no reason to actually even bring it up. But when it's interfering in your life and the way you're showing up and your ability to be authentic and the way that you want others to perceive you, when it's doing that, then that's the time that it's, you know, that's the right time to say, hey, is this, is this mine? Or is this something that I've been led to believe? And that's part of shadow work and why I love it so much because we don't realize how much of ourselves we suppress and how much of ourselves we start to deny, we have shame about, and then, you know, we forget these parts of ourselves that existed. But guess what? Those parts don't forget themselves. They're literally running your life. And for so long, I look back and I think to myself, wow, yeah, that was totally my shadow. That was that part of me that, you know, and, and we, I know that we see the shadow again, like so many people see it as darkness because in there, there is things that you could, you could say they're dark, but the reality is that it's, it's a part of your life, of your experience, of everything that it is to be human, of your journey, your childhood, every single thing that you have been programmed in your mind to believe, to think every time that as a child you were told one thing and you were told it and told it and told it and then you started to deny these parts of yourself because you're like, wait, nobody's going to love me with this and you just like tucked it away and tucked it away. That's That becomes this part of you that you start to dislike so much and then you think, I'm going to just, it doesn't exist, but it's there. It's there and it's sneaking up on the choices you're making, on the relationships you're not allowing yourself to, um, to really give it a shot, on the ways you're not allowing yourself to be loved, to open up, to have somebody else um, have the power to break your heart. <laughs> you know, I, I recently, not recently, yeah, well, yeah, I guess my birthday. I, I don't think I talked about it. No, I have not talked about it yet. So my birthday um, was a really sad day for me and I know I've talked about this with some of my friends and I didn't I didn't understand what was happening and I went to I went by the water my husband took me he knows the water is healing for me and I prayed and I asked God God like just why do I feel this way and it was like instantly he answered me and it was it was like you don't think you deserve love you believe that you do not deserve love and so no matter how much people love you no matter how much they try to show you no matter what they give you no matter how they show up you will tell yourself it's not enough and it was just like what and it's, it was, it was beautiful, but it was difficult because it made me realize I started like to see all the ways that I have convinced myself, right? Deep down, 
deep down because consciously you're like, no, because this past birthday, like everybody kept asking me, what do you want? And I was like, nothing. Like, I, I don't want you to just give me something that's just going to sit there. I don't want anything. Right. I don't. And there's nothing big that I th could think of that I needed. I have everything I need and I'm trying to rid myself of things instead of continuing to allow myself to just collect things. Um, so I told everybody, don't give me anything. So nobody gave me anything. <laughs> and I think that in itself made me feel like, wow, nobody loves me. But girl, what's up? You just told everybody not to give you anything. Did you not mean that? I did mean it. I didn't want anything. Right. But there was also this other part of me that got mad when everybody started asking me what I wanted. Like, do you not know me? But then I think to myself, holy shit, I make it hard. I make it hard because it doesn't matter what they give me. I will see what they didn't give me as a sign of, oh, they don't love me. And why do I do that? It's not because I'm selfish. It's not because I'm ungrateful. It is because deep down, I convince myself, you don't deserve love. So if you don't deserve it, what do you do? You block it out. So anytime somebody tries to show you something, you find a reason to not believe that that's love and oh because they didn't do this that would have been love but if they would have done that then you would have said oh but if they would have it, there's always something that is part of my shadow and that comes from my childhood that comes from um at least I know this is where it comes from for me it comes from being born into you know a family where your mother made you the center of her world until your little sister came along. And then when your little sister came along, your mother made her the center of her world. And then you were just, I don't want to say left to fend for myself because I don't actually recollect anything. But she acknowledges that she didn't know. Like she thought the baby needed more attention. Like obviously, like I know she loves me. I know she loved me as a child. But as a child, that's traumatic to feel a mother's love and then the absence of it. <laughs> And I know I've healed this. I actually have gone through the entire process of healing it, of um, feeling grateful um, that because of that, I got this independence uh, to be like, to, to just kind of not be codependent on that. But what it still caused so many wounds and so many reactions to how I entered relationships to how I acted in those relationships and it's I, I don't want to say that I've the that the wound right like my the relationship with my mother has been healed like I don't want to say 100% because I feel that's ongoing that's a process um but for a long time I knew I forgave her and I understood the way that she loves me and Everybody loves according to the capacity of their own wounds. And they let themselves be loved accordingly to the capacity of their own wounds. And the wounds that existed in me exist in her. And so I know that in many ways she doesn't believe she deserves love either. And so all these things are just like this big, uh, they're all intertwined. And like I get emotional, right? Because I think of that little girl and then I think of all the ways that that wound has shown up in my life and how it still shows up in my life. Like sometimes my husband tells me, you don't let yourself be loved. 
I'm like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, that's not true. But he's not wrong. And that day of my birthday, like he wanted to make me stop crying. He wanted to make it better. But I was like, there's no, this sadness right now needs to exist. There's something it's trying to show me. And if I just pretend it's not there, I'm just saving it for later. And I don't want to do that. It sucks. It's my birthday. Yes. Everybody sends you have a happy birthday. Even now when I send somebody a happy birthday, like I'm telling myself, well, what if it's not a happy birthday? It doesn't necessarily mean it's wrong. Right. Um, but like that's conditioning. We're our programming, like we're conditioned to think, oh, it's your birthday. You should be happy, you know, celebrate your life, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, no, I, I wasn't happy on my birthday. And that was okay because that sadness showed me something that is adding to my happiness. It's adding to my ability to experience life differently, to understand parts of myself that I didn't know existed, that I didn't know were causing me pain, were causing me hurt, and were sabotaging my ability to truly, you know, give in fully. And even though this is going to be 12 years 12 years 11 I don't know I think it's 12 anyway that I've been in a relationship and um nine I think that I've been married this year I don't remember math remember it's not not my forte um uh, like I think to myself like this is the most I've ever committed to somebody this is the most I mean I'm married I resisted marriage for so long and so part of me thinks to myself, like, what's the point? Like, I, I remember when I, um, like, when I met my husband that we were dating that um, I had my house. He had his house. And I remember a lot of people saying, don't sell your house. Keep your house just in case. Because it's like, damn, that, that is my house. Like, what if something goes wrong? Then I don't have a house. Um, my bank account took me a good year I think after we were married to say fine I'm gonna we'll merge our bank accounts I have never I had never had a merged bank account even changing my my phone provider you know like even changing that like he worked he worked for Sprint at the time and I had I think at and I was like no I'm not changing Sprint sucks I'm just kidding I mean they're gone now whatever um but it all those things like it scared it scared the crap out of me because it meant like I'm in this I'm in this and little by little I kept telling myself what was the point like why did you get married if you're not going to like go all in and the love part has been I think the most um the part that I'm I'm working through right because that's what I want I want nothing more than to be loved think it's what we all want but I also realize that there's many ways that we protect ourselves because if you let yourself fully be loved and then you get hurt <sighs> and the thing is that like I've never been afraid to try right like I I've been hurt but I'm not afraid to try again I'll open my heart but I guess I was opening it not all the way and I was not allowing myself in all the way and all those things have been um it's it's revealed a lot a lot about you know the very things that sometimes I feel like I am unhappy with and it's like it's I'm 
it's easy to put the the onus on to somebody else and be like, oh, it's because you're not doing this or it's because you're not doing that. But that, it's not about that. It's about um, what, in what ways are you blocking that out? And I'm learning that that is a lot of what I've been doing. Please hold. So I just realized I said hold on. <laughs> As if there would actually be. Oh wait, but I just paused my recording. I stole my son's headphones to be able to record because I have no idea where mine went and he wants them back. So I have 10 minutes. <laughs> anyway, I know I've done my use of going in a whirlwind, but I think for the most part, the point of my message is like to, to work on that relationship with yourself because every relationship you have stems from that one. The one you have with your kids, the one you have with your spouse, the one you have with your parents, the one you have with your friends, everything. The one you have with God, like everything. That's why sometimes we see people and we're like, like I recently I've seen people get mad at God. I've known people who were mad at God for years. And I've never understood that. I've just never understood it. And I was like, I've never been mad at God. And I've had crappy things happen to me, but I don't I don't think it's his fault. In fact, I feel like he was there. Um but then I started to say, okay, like look for the evidence of where did you learn that? Where did you get that? Where did you start to believe that? And this is where I say sometimes programming, the programming that we receive, it can hurt us, but it can help us. And that programming that I received of never getting mad at God was watching a father lose his entire like family, little by little, siblings, um, his mother. It was just one after the other, after the other, after the other. And him never having anger. Him going through extreme hardship and him just always glorifying God and loving God through it and trusting that, you know, and, and allowing himself to feel because that is one thing my father, like he absolutely gave me that example of if I need to cry, I'll cry, but I, I'm going to go to work because I, I, I have to pay the bills <laughs> and life goes on. And that, there's one thing my husband absolutely embodies is that type of thinking um the emotional part I mean I think he's much better at it but he definitely embodies that like you know hey we gotta go on and sometimes my emotions become really intense for me and I don't know how to go on but that's the thing like I believe we're all different and if I need more time I need more time and I and this is where like programming can hurt right like the programming I receive of a father who had faith and belief and allowed himself to experience emotions but not let not, not let those emotions like okay the emotions were not going to stop him from doing what he needed to do because he released them when he needed to release them but also not be angry not be angry that why did God do this never questioned God never never saw him do it if he did it 
not in my presence. So my programming was like that. But then sometimes I think to myself, well, I should probably not continue to feel this way, right? Because my dad didn't. And so then that programming is like, I'm comparing myself not to him. But by doing that, I'm not acknowledging that I'm not him. I'm different. And maybe I need more time. And so is it my thoughts that are creating for more sadness? Creating for me to have to sit in sadness longer? Am I allowing the sadness to consume me? Or do I just need more time because my emotions feel heavier? So the more you know yourself, the more you're able to distinguish your programming versus what do you need? Because I do believe that we learn a lot from the examples around us. So if somebody around you taught you differently or showed you something differently and programmed your mind a certain way and you're falling into that same pattern or comparing if you're patterned, if you're not acting or behaving in the same way, then like that's where a lack of you knowing yourself and what you need. And this is why it's so important in relationships and everything and the way that we're programming our own kids. Like I wish... Sometimes I could go back and redo certain things, but I'm thinking to myself, that's not where I was. That's not where I was. Considering that I was, how young I was when I had um, Andres, uh, it's, I was like, I, I, I did a really good job. I did a really good job as a parent. It definitely helped, right? Like meeting my husband and having that, that, that contrast of more structure, more discipline, more masculinity, you know, and that allowed me to raise him in a team, even though I resisted a lot, but allowed him, allowed him to also experience different things and become to me more, more, I guess you could say more, um, himself, but also like we programmed him, we programmed him with, my husband's programming, mine, and the one I had from before, and his dad had some programming to do with him as well. And so, and then the world has programmed, and then it's up to him now. It's up to him now to decide if that programming, right, is is he just living his life to fit into that programming, or is it is is he being real? Does he know himself enough? I think he does, but I'm sure he's going to go through different experiences that are going to challenge that. And the more, the older I get, the more I realize, wow, there's a lot of programming that doesn't allow us to give, to meet our own needs, right? As a human, as a soul, to stop and listen to what, what do I need? What do I really need right now? How can I connect to my needs? And how do I understand what I need? Not what I think I'm supposed to be doing or not how I think it's supposed to go. Like, emotions are, uh, they're personal. And that's why I think it's like when, when, when I have clients, like one of the first, one of the few first exercises I give is that. It's like how to recognize emotions in your body your thoughts that create these emotions, the intensity of these emotions so that you start to create conscious awareness of how these emotions are showing up in your life. How are they, um, are they controlling you? Are you controlling them? And how to have more control over them. But that doesn't mean 
that you pretend they don't exist. Sometimes they have to exist. And depending on the emotion, sometimes it needs to exist a little longer. The idea is not to become consumed by it to the point where you believe what this emotion is you. Like you, you start to identify that this emotion and you are one. And I've been there. I've been in dark places. I've had depression. I've thought there was no way out. And I came out of it. And I'm on the other side of it. But sometimes sadness shows up. And it hangs out for a little bit. And I no longer feel guilty or compare myself. And I, I'm around boys who are constantly, they see you cry and they're like, no, no, no. No. We don't want you to cry. <laughs> They want to fix it. They want to make me feel better. And I've had to teach them, no, it's okay. You don't need to fix it. You can hug me. You can sit with me. Um, but you don't need to fix it. And I think a lot of us are like that, not just boys. Like I think people in general, like we see somebody crying. We just want to like, <sighs> want to make them feel better. But it's, crying is beautiful. My dad taught me that too. Crying is healing. And I've never been afraid to cry, but I've had points in my life where I've swallowed the tears and not allowed myself to feel it. And most of the time it was to not make somebody else uncomfortable. That's some, that's some messed up stuff. <laughs> it's like you're willing to not allow yourself to feel, to help somebody else, to protect somebody else's emotions. That sounds so like selfless and beautiful, but it's not. Because if you're willing to betray yourself to please somebody else, you're not authentic. And when I understood that, it just took a whole different perspective for me. Because think about it. Um, like if you're willing to betray somebody else in order to be true to you, that sounds messed up. Right? That sounds selfish. But when you put like an example there, like if Susan calls me and is like, hey, Ellie, you, can you help me out on Tuesday? Because I'm moving, right? But on Tuesday, I wanted to stay home and I wanted to relax because I've had a tough week. And I had told myself that I was going to do that. And because I don't want to hurt Susan, and I want to be there for Susan. And I want Susan to know that I'm a good person. And I'll be like, yeah, Susan. And I'll be like, I'll just do that another day. Right? That sounds like I'm such a good person. But no, because I had a commitment to myself that I broke. So how good are your commitments to others if you can't keep the ones to yourself? That's powerful. To me... If I can keep my commitment to myself, then my commitment to others have more value. They have more weight. Because you know when I'm showing up, I'm showing up. I'm not showing up because I don't want you to feel bad. That means I'm there without wanting to be there. And that's something that took me a while to understand because I had a big desire to be liked, to be accepted, to connect with others. And when I would feel the resistance or the lack of, it would make me feel as if there was something wrong with me and by finally understanding that I would rather 
like, you know, tell somebody else no, because I don't want to show up out of obligation. When I show up, I'm there wholeheartedly. And so, and I get it. There's like, that was one example, right? But there are certain things that sometimes we, sh there's no choice. <laughs> we got to show up for, even though we don't want to be there. We don't like, we're, or maybe we're not ready to be there. Um, but the circumstances can vary. But I'm talking about like day to day. How often do you break the commitments, the promises that you have to yourself? And if you're doing that often, but still showing up for others, then it's time for like a reality check and, and hold yourself to it where you're willing to betray another and not yourself. Because um, I, I know, I believe it says so much about you and you'll be respected more. You'll respect yourself more. So... I don't even remember how I got there, but I know I have to give my head the headsets back. And I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. I know I went on a whirlwind. I'll be back when I'm back. This series, I guess, that I will wrap up at some point or another is about connections. And so I'll figure out how to continue it on um, sporadically, spontaneously, um, intuitively and as I needed because this is a space for me that I'm grateful to be able to show up to I am grateful for the people who text me when they hear one of my um, episodes that resonated with them even like it just it makes my heart happy uh, to know that this reaches people and it, I don't need to reach a lot of people, but to know that some people um, connect with my words, that they connect with um, my emotions and with my way of thinking, it truly helps me to feel um, like I, I don't want to say the word belong, but like I have a soul family. I know that. And I know the people that I have met I know who they are, but um, the ones I haven't that are out there that every once in a while send me a message, you're part of that too, because there's just certain, certain understanding, certain emotions that we feel when there's a connection in the soul that I think can't be, it can't be faked. It can't be, um, it just is. And, and when those things resonate and when we feel them and when we know it, believe it, it's it's a beautiful thing. And sometimes it's a heartbreaking thing because sometimes we don't know how to, <laughs> uh, we don't know how to, I don't even know. I'm, I'm just going to stop it right there because I'm going on a loop. Um, I know what I want to say. I just don't know how to say it right now. Um, love you guys and until the next one, have a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful day.